0: settle down i have the plans do you recall that that was the word that i heard in a tiny church in mobasa kenya pastor lucas preached on my life verse jeremiah 29 11, and he said you know we all like the good plans and the future and the hope that is promised in that verse but you need to remember the context it was in a time of great stress and uncertainty and the context can be found in Jeremiah 29:6 when God tells the people settle down settle down i have the plans let me tell you that was that was the exact word that i needed god's job is in the planning my job is in the settling down and over the past several months i have just marveled as god has worked out his plans Proverbs 21:1 says this, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. In other words, God's job is the planning. My job is just settling into his plans. My stress in that season was centered around the heavy weight that I was feeling of building and staffing our team. I saw ahead a lot of work and a lot of uncertainty, but God is so faithful. I mean, just look at how God has been at work in just the last few months. Stacy Riddell moved from preschool coordinator to our kids' admin. Rebecca Mullins stepped into our preschool coordinator position. Hunter Izell came on as our videographer. April Oates became our missions coordinator. Evan Ryan became our middle school pastor. Justin Eschenbaugh came in as our communications pastor. And even David Rambo came on as our kids' resident. I mean, I look back at that and I go, wow. Do you see that in just a few months? And now today, I'm excited to tell you about the next edition. Back on November 11th, Diana and I attended a wedding, and during that wedding, there came a nudge. This could be someone that you could work with. A few days later, we exchanged a couple of emails, and then on December 4th, we went to lunch together, and I made a pitch. And then it began to pick up speed, step-by-step, step, conversation after conversation, confirmation after confirmation. And here is the thing. He wasn't looking. He was in a good place. But he also had his own nudge independent of my approaching him. And he knew pretty quickly the Lord was leading. So let me introduce you to Paxton Red. Thank you, Pastor Kevin, and hello, New Work Church family. I'm Paxton, and this is my wife, Chelsea. We have three amazing daughters, Ellie, Lydia, and Ada. We currently live in Cadiz, so we're no strangers to Hopkinsville in this area. We cannot wait to be a part of what God is already doing at New Work. Until then, I'll finish my time in ministry at Liberty Point Baptist Church in Cadiz. God has allowed us to be a part of Liberty Point, which is wonderful. And we have loved the people there, and they have loved us well over the past six years yet over the past two months as we have started conversations with pastor kevin it's become more and more evident that god had already been intertwining our lives with new work long before we even realized it one cool connection is that josh and heather hensley went to Campbellsville university at the same time that paxton and i were there in fact Heather and I even worked together for a short time at Kentucky Heartland Outreach. I'm sure that over time we'll realize we have more connections with you all here at New Work. We look forward to meeting you all soon. You know, another connection is for the last 15 years, Paxton has actually been mentored in ministry by one of my pastoral colleagues. The Reds are deeply rooted here in Western Kentucky and God has called them right here where they were planted. The Reds live right next door to Paxton's parents, and they already see the blessing that is as parents' needs may increase in coming years. Paxton's going to be joining our team as discipleship pastor. He will work closely with Steve Buttram in groups of all kinds. He's gonna be part of our teaching team. He's going to lead the residency. And listen, after 15 years of being mentored, Seems like that's something he's uniquely qualified for. And something new, he's also going to specifically be tasked with young adult ministries. Think 20-somethings. So Paxton will be on the job here at New Work, and his family's going to be with us in worship beginning on February the 18th. So, perhaps now you can see, can't you, that when God says, Settle down, I have the plans apparently he means it and the truth is he is not yet done there are other nudges that i am still chasing so you church keep on praying and here we go Let me tell you, I'm excited for you as a church. You're going to fall in love with Paxton and his family just like we have as well. By the way, anybody that's interested out in the Next Steps area, there's a a document that you can pick up that will give you a little bit more information. But as we think about a new pastor coming on the team today, one of the things I want to talk to you about is how important it is that you pray for your team, that you pray for your pastors, that you pray for me. And now that we have a new pastor coming, coming that you'd pray for Paxton that you would pray for his wife Chelsea that you'd be in prayer for their their three daughters Ellie and Lydia and Ada a lot of change coming to their life as well And obviously, we also should be praying for Liberty Point, where Paxton has been serving. I know this to be true from years of experience. As God has led Paxton our way here, that just means that God is already working in the life of the next pastor that is going to be serving there. And let's also be praying for our church as God continues to lead us. So why don't we begin following this announcement by just praying over those very things. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you for Paxton. We thank you for the way that you've worked in his life, how you have brought him to this place and this point in his ministry. We pray that you be with him as he finishes well there at Liberty Point. And Father, we especially pray for Chelsea and for Ellie and Lydia and Ada. We ask that you'd be with them as they're going through changes in their lives as well, that you would just uh, smooth the path before them. Father, we pray for our sister church, Liberty Point. We pray that you would make it clear how you are leading. And Father, we pray for our own church. Father, we ask that you would do a work among us like you did in the early church. I mean, if it happened then, why not now? And if it happened there, why not here? God, make us ready every day to follow you as you lead. And may we see your kingdom spread out from this place like a wildfire reaching people both near and far we pray this in jesus name amen geography matters it really does now i think there's a temptation in our lives think of geography as like backdrop doesn't really matter or it's just an address, you know, it's, it's just a place, not any significance. But today I want you to see that there's something far more significant with geography. In 2006, I first came across the term spiritual geography. It's this idea that there is this unique connection between a place and a calling in your life that it is the spot where God encounters us in a unique way at a unique place. I was reading a book that was entitled Dakota, a spiritual geography. And the story of this book is essentially um, the author who returns to to the expanse of Dakota and there she reconnects with God's call in her life. It was a real timely read for me and in a way for you as well 2006 was the year when diana my wife her her father was dying with cancer and she was traveling back and forth caregiving and for both of us that was a time where we began to just feel this inner tug in our lives that we needed to We needed to head back home somehow, some way, so we'd be closer to parents as their caregivers. It was one of the first times in my life when I came to see that God's call in your life is is not just to a job, not just to a vocation, but it's often tied to a specific place. And out of that book, I began praying That God would open the door to that spiritual geography to which he was calling me. And let me tell you, within just months, we were here for the first time. Let me tell you, your spiritual geography matters. That's actually the idea behind the series that we're beginning today, entitled, On This Very Spot. And through this series, you're going to see that geography matters. Now, this series is actually our Easter series. And each week, we're going to keep traveling back again and again to stories and places in the Bible that are building toward Easter. And here's the thing. Every week, we're going back to the very same spot. And I want you to see how God has worked in that place for that purpose. Now, as you think about Easter, I want to remind you today that Easter comes early. March 31st, pretty pretty quick, just around the corner. So who are you going to invite? That's one of those times of the year when people will come with you. Are you still praying for your three? Are you still praying that God would move in their lives, that they, they would encounter Jesus Christ? Listen, you want to be laying the foundation right now of inviting those three to Easter with you being a part of what God is doing but what we're going to do as we move towards Easter is just look back and see all of the things that God was doing in advance of that resurrection Sunday he did so much in that very spot there's so much for us to see and today we're going to begin by looking at a story in Genesis 22 Genesis 22 and so let me encourage you to open your Bibles there and as you're finding Genesis 22 Let me introduce myself to you if we've not yet met my name's Kevin I'm one of the pastors here and if I don't know your name I'd love it if you'd meet me in the commons after this service and just introduce yourself um, To me now one of the things we ask everybody to do every week So if you haven't already done so let me ask you to complete that digital connect card scan that QR code on your list guide that was handed to you when you came in the door and that will take you to today's program that has a link to the digital connect card that way we can stay connected with you. Now listen, we're not going to read immediately. Genesis 22 we're going to read that in a moment Um, so keep your finger in that spot but I really need you to see what happens before we ever get to Genesis 22 so look back with me at Genesis chapter 12 and that's where we're going to begin because this is where you get that first hint of a spiritual geography in the story of a man named Abraham and God called Abraham to a specific place now before we read in Genesis chapter 12 let me just set the context of where we're reading Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It means beginnings. And that's what it's really all about. It's about the beginning with God, that you and I were created in God's image. It tells us who we are, but it also tells us that, listen, there's a problem in this world. And you don't have to look around very, very far to realize that there's a problem in our world. It's brokenness, it's chaos, it's sin, it's, it is um, the problem of evil and wrong. And if you wonder how that happened, well you just read Genesis chapter 3 through Genesis chapter 11 and it tells you about how sin broke this world that we live in. But when you come to Genesis chapter 12, it's like God has said enough. I'm going to fix this problem. And that's where our story begins. God is about to step into the mess of sin and go to work. And God will go to work through one man, one couple, one nation, one promise. And it all begins right here in Genesis 12 beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Do you see the geography theme there? That geography really does matter. God said to Abram in verse 1, I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. And what is it that Abraham is going to do when he gets to that spot? Well, essentially, God told him, you're supposed to settle down. You're supposed to live there. Settle in. And I have plans for your life. And what's going to happen when they settle into that spot? God tells them, I'm going to bless you. And you are going to be a blessing. In fact one of the things you can do anytime you're reading the Old Testament maybe some of you are starting that reading the Bible through plan listen one of the ways that you need to read that is watch what happens anytime God's people leave this land that God called them to every time they leave the land they walk into trouble and difficulty and every time they come back they experience blessing there is a spiritual geography at work in this story but the blessing wasn't just a about Abraham was it it was about all people all people verse 3 said all the families on earth will be blessed through you that word families could be translated people it could be translated nations it could be translated tribe in other words what God was doing in and through Abraham was really for everyone and that means it's for you It was for every man, woman, and child. But before the blessing came, you see, God had to get Abraham to the blessing spot. And let me tell you, for us to experience the promised blessing, even you have to get to the blessing spot And the call of Abraham was specifically to this one place. And now we're ready for Genesis 22. And let me encourage you to just keep your Bible open today because what we're going to do is we're going to read a little and then we're going to talk about it and we're going to come back and read again. So just keep your Bible open. So here we see what God is doing in this very spot. And here's the first lesson. The first lesson is this. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Now let's read together. Chapter 22 beginning with verse 1. This is what God's word says. Sometime later God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham God called. Yes he replied here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes Isaac whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied we have the fire and the wood the boy said but where is the sheep for the burnt offering anybody else already disturbed with where this story is going I mean I think this is one of those most challenging stories in the Bible This strange narrative of a near child sacrifice. Now you need to understand, the world in which Abraham lived, this this wasn't all that strange. Virtually every people group that was around Abraham, they practiced one way or another, child sacrifice. But you need to hold on to this truth. That this story is not in any way... God condoning a child sacrifice, and and this is not in any way God cruelly emulating some kind of near child sacrifice for some twisted purpose, but you need to pay attention to that check that you have in your own life and in your own spirit because listen here's the thing when when you're reading God's word you kind of have that visceral gut check moment where you think to yourself oh this is not right that's one of those moments when you need to realize ah I bet there's more to the story than what I'm seeing on the surface and that's the case in this story And the first lesson you need to pull out of this is this, that first of all, God had the plan. Look back at verse 1. It says this, sometime later. That's how the story began, sometime later. Well, anytime you have a verse like that, you need to go look back and say, wait a minute, what what was happening before? Because apparently that's an important clue for what's happening next. What was the context? Well, when you look back just a couple of verses, In Genesis 21, verse 33, it says this. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worshiped the Lord, the eternal God. Now, the context doesn't have anything to do with the garden that that Abraham is planting or that tree, but there's an asterisk in my Bible beside that word, eternal God. And when I look at the footnotes, it tells me that Abraham calls God El Olam, El Olam olam and what that means is he's the eternal god the enduring god this is the idea that your god is the same yesterday today and forever that your god is stable and dependable that your god keeps his promises that what god says god does that god is trustworthy and before you come to this moment abraham got it he understood he nailed it down god is trustworthy it's almost like god had passed the test i can trust him but now it's time to test abraham and that's what it says there in verse one that god tested abraham's faith now that word test literally means to stretch doesn't mean to crush it doesn't mean to break it means i'm going to take you farther than you have ever been before you see god had a plan not only to take abraham to that place but god had a plan to grow abraham into his full redemptive potential let me ask you do you think god still does that Do you think God still has a plan for you where he wants to stretch you, that he wants to grow you, that he wants to deepen your faith, that you would grow stronger in him? And so God takes Abraham to this place. It's called Mount Moriah, and we'll talk more about that mountain in a moment. But for now, don't miss this. God tells Abraham in verse 2 I'm going to take you to this specific mountain so I can show you something. And then listen to what it says again in verse 3. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. On the third day, hmm, That's one of those words that ought to always stop us when we're reading in the Old Testament. On the third day, I wonder what God is about to reveal on the third day. But on the third day, there he is. God said, come with me, Abraham, on a hill far away. Because I have something you're going to want to see on the third day i tell you god has the plan so off abraham goes takes his son isaac and on that third day comes that agonizing question where isaac looks at his dad and says look we got the wood you got the fire you got the knife but listen something's missing something's not right isaac couldn't put the pieces together and we struggled too I mean, especially if you know Abraham's story. If you know how God had promised decades before that there was going to be a child. That Isaac was that child of promise. That there's going to be a great nation. Abraham and Sarah experienced that incredible miracle of birth as they approached the century mark. How could God even ask something like this? That's the tension that we should all feel in this this story but i bring you back to the first lesson god is the one who has the plan i don't have the plan my part is to settle down and settle in and the rest and to rest in the truth that i've already learned that you know what i may not know the plan but i know the planner and he is trustworthy he is stable he is eternal he is the same yesterday today and forever and that brings us to the second lesson that we get out of this story and that is this my part is to trust God's plan my part is to trust God's plan let's read verse 7 again verse 7 Isaac turned to Abraham and said father yes my son Abraham replied we have the fire and the wood the boys said but where is the sheep for the burnt offering God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering my son Abraham answered and they walked on together Let me encourage you in your Bible to underline that word that God will provide. That's important. That word provide literally means God sees. So the dialogue here probably went along something like this Isaac looks around and he says, Hey, Pops, I don't see a lamb for a sacrifice. And Abraham says, Well, son, God sees, God provides he's eternal faithful stable god is someone you can count on he sees what you do not see it's a great answer but you know i notice that parents sometimes we don't want to answer tough questions when those tough questions come sometimes we want to distract we want to misdirect and if that doesn't work a few parents have been known down through the ages just outright lie to their kids right When I read this story, I'm asking myself, do you think Abraham really believed that or is he just lying to poor Isaac? Oh, God will provide. But all the time he's wrestling with it. Well, listen, it's fortunate that we have an answer to that question because if you look in your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 11, that very story is talked about and it gives us this further revelation. Listen to what it says it says, by faith. Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life, and in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead i tell you it was faith it was faith abraham didn't see a lamb for sacrifice but by his faith in what was unseen he still trusted he knew that god was enough let me ask you can you trust god even when you don't see the way through? Can you trust God in your life when you're up against that wall? Can you come to a place in your faith where you say, God, I don't see it, but I know you're beyond it, and I am going to trust you? Can you trust God when it feels like trusting him is just too much? Let's keep reading the story. Verse 9 it goes on and it says when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go Abraham built the altar he arranged the wood on it then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice At that moment, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son son you can't get to verse 12 fast enough when you read those first 11 verses it is is like a a relief but even so it still feels like God took him on this three day journey just to terrorize him let me tell you there's a huge hint in the story that you can't miss about what's really happening here about what God is doing and what God is pointing to. And the hint came all the way back in verse 2. And then you hear an echo of it in verse 12. Because in verse 2, listen to how God described Isaac. He called him your son, your only son, your son that you love so much and then down in verse 12 he says your son your only son listen does that bring to mind any place else in the scriptures where you hear this echo of this is my son my only son my son in whom i am well pleased that's the hint that you need to see That brings us to this important next lesson Watch how God himself stepped into this story at just the right time, at just the right moment, in just the right spot. God shows up and provides what Abraham could not provide. And the third lesson is this. God is at work even when you don't know the plan. God is at work even when you don't know the plan. He's already been at work. Look at what it says in verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. A substitute sacrifice saves the day. And Abraham's son, his only son, the son he loved so much is saved because the ram, a male lamb, is slain. You get it, don't you? Don't you see what's happening in this story? Can't you lift your eyes and see what God is doing on that hill far away? Don't you understand where this three day journey is taking all of us? That God is at work. He is orchestrating the details in that moment according to His good plan. Listen, it is not just a lucky break for Isaac that a ram just so happened to show up at just the right time, at just the right place on just the right mountain and paid just the right price to set Isaac free. I tell you, God was at work in all of this orchestrating it according to his good plan. God is at work. Isaac never was to be the sacrifice. God had a plan. But now you got to take this and internalize it. Do you know that that's the way that God works with you? That God has a plan for your life. My part is to trust the plan and trust the planner, the God who works because God is at work even when I don't know the plan. You see, you have to read the story and realize this isn't just coincidence. This isn't a lucky break. This is providential. This is providential. And what you really need to see is that's not Isaac that was laid on that wood altar. It's you. And it's me. And that's not just some random ram that showed up in the thicket, entangled in the brokenness and the harshness of this world. That's Jesus stepping into our story. I, remember, I mean, remember the promise all the way back from Genesis 12. What did God say? I'm going to bless all peoples through you. I'm going to bless everyone through you. So why did God tell Abraham, go to Mount Moriah? Because listen, there was coming a day when God's son, God's only son, The son he loved was going to lay down his life as the perfect sacrifice for you and me on this very spot. And it is on that hill so far away where on the third day the sacrifice showed up at just the right time. In fact, in the weeks to come, you're going to see that at this mountain, this same mountain, it comes to be called Temple Mount. It's where Solomon built the temple. It's the place where priests would stand day after day and offer sacrifice after sacrifice as an attempt to come to God. Hebrews ten eleven says this, day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But you see, there would come the day when God would send his son, his only son, the son that he loved so much. And Mount Moriah is Mount Calvary where jesus christ gave his life second corinthians 5 21 says this for god made christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with god through christ listen the question when you read this story isn't how in the world could god put abraham and isaac through such a terrorizing thing the question is why would God go all the way through it? For a sinner like me. Why would God do this? For a sinner like you. That his son, his only son, the son he loves so much, would become the sacrifice. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Sinners. And that brings us to this last lesson. God's plan is bigger than you can believe. Listen to this last verse that we're going to read. Verse 14, Abraham named the place yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Do you see it? Do you get it? Do you grasp what the story is saying? On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And my, oh my, how God had provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is Yahweh, Yira, the Lord provides. Listen to these verses from Hebrews chapter 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise that's what happened on that very spot and let me tell you God is working in and through even your spiritual geography maybe right here maybe right now Even in this very spot, God is working his plan. But let me tell you, every one of those plans is like a pathway through that hill far away. Jesus came to take your place. Abraham passed the test. What about you? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son who came into this world to provide the sacrifice that we could not provide, to make a way that we could experience the blessing of knowing you, of experiencing you, of following after you. And Father, my hope and my prayer is as we build towards Easter, you would just open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to understand more and more all that you've done to show us that just like Jesus was your son, your only son, the son that you loved, that, Father, you love us as if we are your child, a child that you love so much. My prayers that we would come to you turn to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me invite you for a time of response. If God's tugging at your heart, if He's leading you, if you need to step into faith to trust Him in what you're going through, use this moment as an opportunity to nail it down. This altar is open to you. We invite you to come as together we sing.